Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. It's been a while. We're back at Amsterdam. We have... So much quack to talk about. I'm almost tempted to break this up into three parts, but that seems a little ridiculous at times because that would be so frustrating for anybody to listen to. The uh, the Sling and Quack trilogy? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we wouldn't make, like, the first part of the trilogy, like, the rebooted version of another part, like, episode seven to episode four. <laughs> yeah. We we would actually go in order. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we would actually do things like a normal person. Um, we have so much to talk about. So much, so, so many activities to go over. Yeah. So basically, my absence from addicted to quack has been because of some professional type things that have just been taking up a lot of time. So, but good news, I'm back. Hopefully for a while. Um, I'm psyched. It's good. I'm glad. Uh, maybe the most impressive thing so far is, uh, Oregon Ducks basketball. Yeah. Pac-12 champs. Number nine in the country. And their record is so good. The last time it was this good. Uh, footage was not in color and they won a national championship Ooh. which means national championship is on the way in black and white yes okay what would you what do you think is more likely if, if this was the beginning of the basketball season Oregon is a two seed in Pac-12 champions or that a police officer would withhold a possible murder weapon from the O.J. Simpson case. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I would go. I would go with the uh, the police one. You think that would be more likely? That would be more likely. I think if we're talking from the beginning of basketball season. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Um, I posted this on Facebook, but I was secretly... Okay, let me rephrase this. If the knife comes back with somebody else's blood on it, would that be the greatest plot twist ever in the history of the world? Didn't see that one coming, did you? (laughs) No. It would be unbelievable. So, oh, side note, we're already off topic. If you aren't watching The People vs. OJ, I don't know what you're doing on your Tuesday nights. That is amazing. Like, we're all pretty much, like, 99% sure that OJ did it. And at the time, like, there was a whole race relations and, like, DNA testing was so new and everything. But watching this, I respect Johnny Cochran and his amazing lawyer abilities. At some point, you just have to admire someone just being absolutely excellent at their job. 
And that's just me being uh, Jim Harbaugh right now. <laughs> just the bitter old man in the corner. Yeah, just watching somebody do traffic signaling. <laughs> so but, Oregon gets a first yeah. round bye in the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty astonishing. I, I just I remember back to when the first time I saw them projected as a two seed in the NCAA tournament, and I was like, "What?" what? Like, like I they were just like like quietly so good, and I was like, "No, that they won't be able to maintain that." And then they lost those two games in a row, and I was like, "Ah, okay, here 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 it is." The other shoe hath fallen. Here's the here's the unraveling I was waiting for. Yeah, and then they just kind of put that behind them and kept on rolling. So here here's the question I want to pose. Okay, is and this may be a long shot. So we've got we've got one more we got one more game, one more regular season game, and then we've got the Pac-12 tournament. Uh huh. If Oregon. If Oregon wins out, if they win every game on the rest of their schedule before the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. what seed do you give them? If they win out, two. If they win out, two seed. Oh, yeah, clearly. It's just, it's so crazy to, like, see the rankings and then see, like, you know, you've got, like, Villanova and North Carolina and then Oregon and... Yeah. You go way down the rankings, and you've got Duke and Kentucky, and it's like, wow. <laughs> Just wow. Okay, so is, I feel, is Dana Altman, I think Dana Altman's like Mark Helfrich, where it's like, he isn't the best coach in the country, like, mm-hmm. Nick Saban is just next level. I swear there's like six great coaches in the SEC who have gotten fired because they couldn't beat Nick Saban. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Um, but Helfrich's thing is that he is the uh, most efficient at, like, dollars per win. Mm-hmm. Like, for every win, Helfrich is the cheapest. Or, excuse me, most affordable. Best value in college football. Yeah, Exactly. So is Dana Altman the best value in college basketball? Yeah. He has to be. He's got to be. He has to be. Because Calipari just gets paid a ton. They don't, they don't bring in enough fans to watch these games to pay him enough? Yeah. Well, you know who think, or what I think is the best coaching job in the country for college basketball? What's that? Texas. Really? Yeah. You have the, like, the most valuable athletic department in the country mm-hmm. true so you have all these resources you're at the ultimate football school nobody cares about the basketball <laughs> team you could go nope. like like they're number 23 right now i doubt anybody in their fan base really knows that yeah like just keep hitting like a few 500s just be jeff fisher at the st louis rams and you're gonna be fine just, just skate under the radar. Yeah, just keep winning enough to keep your job. Yeah, and it's easy. You have the most assets of any like team ever. You are in Texas, which just by sheer numbers has a ton of basketball players. Might not be a huge hotbed, but you got a lot of people to pick from. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, Austin is a great place to live. It is. It was in fact, I think it was just ranked like the no- number two place to live in the country. Really? Yeah. Some like some new ranking system came out, which I feel like comes out every day. <laughs> uh, the number of scientifically proven cities that are most popular for young people to move to, I think there's five different number ones. Oh yeah. It's like these are these are facts. Can't really argue with them. Um. So four of you are wrong, or maybe all five, and you just just don't even have the right one. So the teams above Oregon right now in the mm-hmm. AP top twenty-five because let's be real about the coaches' poll. Nobody is filling that it's out because, as a coach. Nobody, nobody pays attention. Kansas, there. Michigan State, Villanova are like probably gonna be top four. Mm-hmm. So it's Kansas, Michigan State, Villanova. Oh, Virginia, Xavier, Oklahoma, Miami, of Florida, North Carolina, and Oregon. Teams below Oregon. Louisville, Indiana, uh, Maryland, Duke, Kentucky. What is going on right now? What is happening <laughs> what in is college happening? basketball? <laughs> um, yeah, if if you had told me, if you told me that Oregon would be a top ten team and. Kentucky would be struggling to stay in the top 25. I would just assume that you're drunk. <laughs> or uh, like Robin Williams from Jumanji. What year is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay, so North Carolina, Miami, and Virginia are all in the same conference. Mm-hmm. I honestly... I'm not a bracketologist. If this were college football, I'd be able to be like, here's what happens in all these scenarios. I don't know if Oregon wins the Pac-12 championship. Yeah. They have to be in the top eight because you have four... You have three ACC teams. Yeah, so someone's... Someone has to fall below Oregon. And Miami and North Carolina are directly above Oregon. Yeah, so it's got to so be let, number two. So let's just yeah let's let's propel Oregon up to up to seven mm-hmm. just for argument's sake, and then that would have us against Michigan State if everybody wins out. Yeah. God, I hate those guys. It just how does this keep happening? They're just like ah, you're never gonna get us. Yeah, exactly. You know what's crazy? Because at the beginning of the year, we were like, okay, it's basketball season. Like, we got all these guys. Like, do we really know anything about them? And then we kind of, like, talked about it for a couple hours. And mm-hmm. I was like, I actually am really excited for this team. This is unbelievable. Like, I'm, I'm blown away. Like, because of the outside reasons, I hadn't been able to, like, watch games for a couple weeks. And then all of a sudden, I was like, wait, what is happening right now? They're, like, number 13. Yeah, it's just so secretly good. Yeah. And it's like Dylan Brooks is a scoring machine. He, It seems like he's routinely dropping 20, 25 points a night. Yes. Um, Chris Boucher blocks everything that comes near him. Like T-Rob. Yeah. 
he has so here's here's the the top guys before not counting Chris Boucher if you take him out of the equation the top guys on Oregon in blocks per game are Jordan Bell at 1.6 blocks uh-huh. and then you've got Dylan Brooks and Elgin Cook who are both averaging less than half a block a game uh-huh. and then Chris Boucher is averaging 3.2 blocks a game it's a block party he uh yeah, it, it's what happens when Oregon finally gets a guy with some height down there. Yeah, even though we still don't have like a true center, I guess. Yeah. My kingdom, the, my kingdom for a center. He's the closest thing we'll get. I mean, it's not like we have uh, six eight Marty Lewin in like center, <laughs> but it's like Ooh, why, why Marty. We, yeah, why didn't we put anybody in the paint at that time? Just like just three balls, the two on Porter look that was great. Um. um it seems like is there anybody that really stands out on a game to game basis that's like always out like Brooks I mean Dylan Brooks is the guy who I th- he rarely ever has like a bad night I'm yeah. looking over his game log and his like his worst game in the past month was when he scored 10 against Colorado and before that the the game against Cal back in January in Eugene was when he scored like 4 points that night he was, it shot like 2 of 10 but everything since then he's like it's like 15 points, 21, 21, 14, 25, 24, 18, 10, 30. Like, it's always double digits every night. So he's just a scoring machine. Yeah. And it seems like I'll watch games and it's like, oh, Cook's making a play. Boucher mm-hmm. is killing it right now. Dorsey is killing it right now. It right. seems like Brooks I, I think- may be the go-to, but there's always one to two other people who really show up in every game. Yeah. I think that's the thing about this team is that there's just like there's so much depth and it's so like yeah Dylan Brooks leads the way but everyone else is just making great plays and like chipping in in these little ways and it's just a well-rounded team yeah and now Oregon's got one more game this season at USC which is Tomorrow we're recording this on Friday evening, so I'm probably just going to put it out tonight at some point. Um, tipping off against USC at 1 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. Oregon's already got the top spot locked down in the conference. So, but it's still meaningful in terms of getting the number two seed. Yeah, we still have to get the number two seed. I mean, yes. If we lose, if we lose this game, it's up in the air. Uh, yeah, it could be. I mean, you know, hovering at that two, three seed mark, but lock it up, get the two seed. They can't really go any higher. I think that's the ceiling there. So, yeah. And uh, USC is twenty and ten with the Arizona in quadruple overtime. They've lost five of their last seven. So they lost at Arizona State, at Arizona, B 
beat Colorado at home, lost to Utah at home, lost at Stanford, lost at Cal, beat Oregon State at home. I still think this will be a good game. I'm watching it. That'll be exciting. I'm gonna watch it. it. I'm psyched. This team is good. Love watching it. Um, what is going on with these lack of sellouts, though? I don't. It's been like it just it blows my mind. Like you have a top ten team in the country. They are record wise. It's one of the best teams in school history, and you have to beg your fans to come to the last home game of the year. Like, every on single TV, game. they it was a sellout. They, they did. I think, I think they got it to a sellout, but, but it was, like... definition of the word. Like, 11th hour sellout. Maybe they counted the food service employees as part of the crowd. Classic. You know. Classic Red Sox move. As a Red Sox fan. And so, I just, I don't... I don't get it. Like, I get that a lot of the games are inconveniently timed, you know, like Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. Yeah, if I worked a, you know, if I worked a, a five, you know, nine to five job, I probably wouldn't be rushing to get to the game either. I wouldn't uh, be if I just watched on TV. But, I mean, even the weekend games, they're having to beg people to come and they're still not getting sellouts. And it's just, I don't know. It's not a very intimidating atmosphere I have so many marketing ideas for them just like like why aren't they just marketing like the weekday games as like huge ones for the local community yeah just like local community you can like when they dropped uh, ticket prices down a ton for like a few games they sold out easy oh yeah I remember when they did a um, I think it was like at the end of the season last year, yes, for like the Utah game or something, they like they made the entire arena. I think it was like sixteen bucks for tickets, and the place yeah. was packed. Yeah, and they're just like, why not just do that? Just sell season tickets mm-hmm. at those prices. Like the Blazers, they have uh, like the st- the star games, and you can buy like tickets for all of those, or like you can get like all of the Saturday games mm-hmm. and there's like different packages of like season tickets you can get basically like I don't know but it seems just like there's no reason for, for to be struggling to get yeah. attendance like I'm not even talking like filling it up I'm just saying in general there's just like not that many people going so and I think we already talked about this at the beginning of the year, but there's like n- zero brand identity with this team. Oh yeah, it's like Oregon basketball. And it's like, what does that mean? Nobody knows. If anything, it's just like you come into this season not knowing that many people, and then you come out and they're in the and they're in the Sweet Sixteen every year. Yeah, exactly. And nobody knows how it happened exactly. It's, they're just one of they're like they're just such a quietly good team. That's the only way I can describe it. Yeah. So, man, athletic department, just hit me up. I have so many ideas. I'm not just going to put them all down here. Um, I would like to point out that Oregon has not lost a game since the life of Pablo came out. Coincidence? I think not. I think not. If Pablo comes out, Oregon starts winning. 
You know? Look at that. If only, if only the game against Stanford had been a few hours later when Life of Pablo came out, it would have won. Easy. Everything would have been all right. Not even close. It would have just been easy. Um, do we want to transition now to uh, NFL Combine? Let's do it. All right. So we had five players at the NFL Combine. We had Braylon Addison, Byron Marshall, Vernon Adams, DeForest Buckner, and Tyler Johnstone. Mm-hmm. So with the NFL Combine, there's a ton of people that get invited, like a lot, a lot. But it's not always the people at the top of the draft. Basically, teams will provide like lists of people that they want to see. And when there's a huge overlap of different teams, like a lot of teams want to check out a few people, that's when you get – that's the group that determines it. Because Bro. Byron Marshall – is projected to be like a fringe roster guy. Like he'll probably mm-hmm. be on the pro- practice lost roster unless he like really shines on special teams. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's there along with like DeForest Buckner, who's projected to be like a top five pick. Mm-hmm. So that's why we see people like Vernon Adams and stuff there. Um, let's just go through each player individually. Yeah. So sure. Vernon Adams. Uh, measured in at 5'11", which is taller than I thought he would. Mm-hmm. He does not look 5'11". Um, I think my and my favorite thing was seeing how they're like, oh, this is what this guy's this guy measured in at. Look at that. His college media guy lists him at three inches taller. Lists him at 6'2"? Well, I'm not... Oregon specifically, but there were some players, I forget who exactly it was, but there oh. were some players that they measured them at the combine and they were like a good three inches shorter than what they had been advertised as in, in college. Very common practice. I'm looking up this one guy just to see what this was because we heard about him all year. Okay, never mind. Never mind. That was fair. Brock Osweiler measured in at 6'7", when all year we heard he was 6'8". Negligible. Not even going to be mad about it. I think my favorite things are seeing, like, the uh, 40 times Mm -hmm. that come in. Like, if you look at, uh, if you look at, like, the Florida football, like, 40 record, it's, like, all people who look like they could break the sound barrier. Yeah. Like, there's multiple, like, 4.2s. There's like I don't think you even make the top ten unless you run a four point a four point three two or less, and then they all go into the combine and run like four fours. Of course. I think my favorite one. I'm just gonna look this guy up so I don't get the forty time wrong. Uh. Okay, so let's see if you can guess who this is. This player. What, we were told he ran a 4.2940 when he was in college. He played Oregon multiple times. At the Combine, he ran a 4.59, which is two hundredths of a second faster than Blaine Gabbert and six hundredths of a second faster than Christian Ponder. Name that player. He played Oregon multiple times, so he's in conference. And let's see here. A four five nine 
Uh, Meanwhile, we were told I'm gonna go it was a Jared Goff. <laughs> no. Jared Goff? Jake Locker. Jake Locker, oh my. Yeah, they're saying the conditioning coach was like, he ran a 4.2940. It's like, look, he is athletic, but don't pull out this 4.29. We all know that's a lie. We all know he just can't move that fast. Yeah, it's like, is he athletic? Yes, he plays very fast. I've watched games. But it's like 4.29. It's like, God, no, it's not 4.29. Runs a 4.59. There was no hiding at the combine. Your media guide or whatever that says you that says you're 6'3", 240 pounds, and you run like a 4.440, I'll see you at 6'1", 225 pounds, running a 4.7. It's combine math. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. How how ridiculous. It's it's almost like these strength and conditioning coaches don't know that they're going to be like actually tested on this stuff. But then again, at that point, you're trying to like sell the player at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. So no one's ever going to go back and be like, "Oh, but you said this." No one's going to call them out on that. So, um, all right, back to Vernon Adams. 5'11", 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. So he's, he said he gained 15 pounds from the end of the season. Which makes sense, honestly, because uh, you have, like, training and working out for this is now your full-time job. Right. And there's really no illusions or there's really no, like, hint, hint, wink, wink, we have classes. Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't come to play school. Uh... So he ran a, and he's drawing comparisons to Russell Wilson, who, mm-hmm. which isn't really fair because Russell Wilson is more athletic. Um, even though he's infinitely more annoying. Like, dude, what is your problem? You're going out Sierra. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, he uh, is, just be happy, man. Yeah. So he ran a four point eight three forty, which is not good. But then he's a quarterback, and that wasn't really his uh, strength anyways. Mm-hmm. So he ran, like, the most important things for him are going to be, like, the shuttle and three cone drills and everything. Yeah. Um, so for the – in the three cone drill, he was the top performer. Nice. Right. That's, like, the most important thing. I mean, that matches up with his skill set. Like, that's mm-hmm. his strength. Yeah. So it makes sense that would be the one he excels at. So he's doing everything he's supposed to. So, I mean, 40-yard dash, it's really not that important unless you're fully dependent on speed. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a 29.5-inch vert, 114-inch broad jump, whatever. Um, the most important thing is basically just that he excelled the drill he needed to. Everyone's giving him a ton of praise, and justifiably, the biggest knock on him is his size. Justifiably. Oh, of course. It's um, the classic undersized argument. Yeah, and it's so much so a little undersized that it's kind of like, I don't even know if that's like... He is the ultimate guy you would want on a practice roster. Mm-hmm. 
Like, if I'm an NFL team, I want him on a practice roster because he is so accurate. He's so quick. Um, I mean, if you have a guy who his only knock is really his size, that's a great guy to have in your roster when you're just doing, like, seven-on-sevens of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And it's, like... I think the whole size thing is just not a valid argument. I think you could be undersized and still be successful. Okay, so one of the guys that was... Okay, let's look at Russell Wilson real fast. Russell Wilson is 5'11". Look at that. Okay. Okay, so fair. So I take that back. I take it back. Russell Wilson was slightly different, though. He had a much better record over the course of his career Mm -hmm. in terms of like competition right so and Oregon still gets knocked for it being a system and everything it's like okay if it's a system that just produces a monster amount of points why isn't everybody running the system riddle me that Saban (laughs) classic system quarterback argument classic system quarterback uh, and then here's a counter of that. Geno Smith. Fair. I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what to do. <laughs> don't know. You got me there. Um, and Drew Brees is like the other guy who is just like his biggest concern. He's six foot. Mm-hmm. His biggest concern was at San Diego was his height. And then he went to New Orleans and everything was fine. So uh, could he make it? I wouldn't if I was a GM, I would not put a draft pick on him. I would not put a draft pick on him. On uh Vernon Adams? Yes. Yeah, I don't um I just I don't think one I don't think one season at not even and not even one like complete season either. Yeah. Is enough to say like for me as an NFL GM being like okay this guy will this guy is going to be a a good next level quarterback for us I just yeah I don't know I'm with you I I think he's he might he might go late but he might go late for someone who's like yeah we got some room at the quarterback position let's let's give him a shot you know yeah I mean you don't have to convince everybody you just have Mm -hmm. to convince one Right. The Tim Tebow story. Because no one liked him except for the Broncos. <laughs> Who has more playoff wins than Andy Dalton? Yeah, he provide, he provided us that one magical postseason. and Yes. Yes. Um, okay, so... Yeah, he's going to be... He will be on a roster, whether it's practice... He's going to be in training camp. He's going to be on a practice roster. Firmly believe that. Um, let's go to DeForest Buckner. With the biggest hands in combine history. Yeah, 11, inch, 11 and 3 fourths inches. He measures yeah. in at 6'7", 291 pounds. He's, he's a man. Yeah, if any, if any of you have a, um, have a ruler sitting around... Or a, a Subway footlong sandwich. Just use those as your reference point for how big his damn hands are. And oh although, my god, I don't, the, I don't know. the Subway, what? oh my god. 
Although I mean, they're even what, longer what than subway's footlongs, because subway footlongs are not actually a footlong. <laughs> Blasphemy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think I think that's like a oh, that's kind of a cool fun fact a little bit, but I don't, I don't think it actually matters. No, it does not matter for a defensive end. His arm lengths are thirty four and three eighths inch. So I think the arm length is a little bit more important because you can get your you know. For a defense, for alignment, extremely important. Yeah, you know, use it to swim around the offensive lineman, get your hand up, block something. Yeah. Bigger wingspan, that comes in handy. Yeah, so, I mean, it kind of sucks for him because like the one of the only real knocks on him. Well, I mean, a he plays super high. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of my beefs I always had, as a super prolific guy who watches the games often with junk food in front of me <laughs> um he just played so high and granted Oregon played like a two gap at the time that really did him a disservice in terms of statistics and everything yeah he's played so high and that's not gonna work when he's going against like people who get paid to block people um it's just really unfortunate that in our system he wasn't really able to go nuts. Mm-hmm. Like it's he was constantly two gapping. He could never just like shoot a gap. Um his combine numbers see, but this is the thing where the combine numbers don't exactly pan out all the time. Like his forty dash was five point oh five, vert was thirty two, mm-hmm. broad jump was one sixteen, three cone drill was seven point five one seconds. Wow, Fernan ran it three seconds faster. <laughs> 20-yard show was a 4-4-7. Like, his physical statistics Mm -hmm. are really impressive. And he's one of those guys where you can see the immense amount of talent he has. And it's, like, the talent level that you can't coach, but you can coach him the other stuff. Right. Really maximize it. Um. So, the other, the, uh, wow, an NFL regional scout said his biggest comp, uh, comparable is Calais Campbell or Eric Armstead, but I think he's more talented coming out than either of those guys. I think he's twice the player Armstead was coming out. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. Meanwhile, Armstead went 15th overall to the San Francisco 49ers last year. So, um, he's gonna go really high. He's a, he's one of the he's one of those guys too where it's he could be he could play every position I think except a three four defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. I think he could be the lighter of the two four three defensive tackles. I think he could play both in an in position in every in the three four and the four three. So that versatility is really gonna go well for him. Like basically he's not limited based on the scheme that somebody's running. Right. So I think that's a huge plus for him. Um let me pull up some more stats about this. I need more stats. More numbers. More numbers, M-O-A-R. 
Okay, so Todd McShay has him going third to the San Diego Chargers. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard him going, I've heard Buckner going third to the Chargers as like a trendy spot, just because what I what I've heard is the whole um, Melvin Ingram thing is with that that too with uh, with Joey Bosa from Ohio State being like the other guy that they could take I've heard that Buckner is like a better fit for their system uh-huh yeah and that's that's kind of like the thing you have to evaluate like maybe like maybe you you know you have a guy who might be like the better athlete or the better player overall like a higher rated player but you've also got to think of like what's going to be the best fit for you it's like if you did a if you like if you did a reverse a reverse draft from college or from the NFL into college, like who would Oregon pick as their quarterback? Would they pick like a Peyton Manning or they'd pick like, you know, Michael Vick in his prime. Oh, Michael Vick. You know, exactly. It's like that type of thing where it's like, okay, he, this guy, this other guy might be the better player, but he's, this guy is going to be the better fit. So let's, let's go smart. Let's go with this guy. Let's cross our fingers that, the, you know, it actually pans out. Which is why teams have to be so careful signing free agents. Mm-hmm. Because, well, A, there's a reason why they're a free agent. Because what they were asking for was deemed to be more than the team thought they were worth. So that's one reason why, for the most part, that happens like 90% of the time. The other time, they're just out of salary cap base. And the other reason is, they have been playing. They might have been playing in an entirely different system their whole time in the pros. So, Joey Bosa, according to Mel Kiper, is going to go to San Diego. Uh, Buckner will be going to... Who's the fourth pick? Dallas. Which is awful. That's terrifying. I don't want him anywhere near that program. Um... The Cowboys are such a mess right now. I really feel bad for whatever, like, fresh out of college person whose dad knows, like, Jerry Jones is now working social media. We we want our guys to be able to go have nice things. Yeah. So, please, Tennessee, draft a tackle. Please. Please. Pretty please. I really want him to make it out of the next season. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So that's DeForest Buckner. Let's go to Tyler Johnstone now. Where is his page? There he is. There he is. We found. There he is. So, for example, uh, Buckner had a grade of like over seven. Adams mm-hmm. had a grade of like four point eight five. Tower Johnstone has a grade of 4.85. Nice. Good for him. Uh, suffered a knee injury in the Alamo Bowl. So, that's... Uh, I, th- I don't think people will take ACL su- surgeries that seriously anymore. Because the technology on it is just so unbelievable now. Oh, yeah. It's like... A, it's like I remember when it used to be a career-ending injury. Yeah. And now you're just like, yeah, we'll see you next year. Yeah. 
or uh, Braylon Adams, who came back in like seven months. Yeah. Um, and if you go to Germany, it's like two months. <laughs> Nothing weird happens over there. Um, so he was first team All Pac-12 last year, last year. Uh, he's six five, measuring at three hundred one pounds. Uh, his forty was five point two one, which why they have run why they have Lyman run the forty yard dash is beyond me. Other than it just being really funny to watch. Yeah, that, it's just pure inter- it's it's pure entertainment. It's just funny. You know the the photo of Mount Cody running the forty. Mm-hmm. That is that is that is that's, bad. I that's can't. why photography exists in this world. <laughs> yeah. So he benched twenty four times on the bench. The bench press is maybe the most overrated statistic in the combine. Yeah. Like it simply does not matter that much. It's like all like, the it's like all the frat dudes trying to out bench each other in the, the rec center. Yeah, it's like once you hit like sixteen, you're fine. Because tr- the bench press is not an account of how strong you are. It's a, an assessment of your physical endurance. Mm-hmm. Because you know how many you know how easy it is to bench two twenty five. If you just spend like a month on it, it's really easy to bench 225. Yeah. So, but once you hit like more than 15 times, it's a complete endurance thing. Like once you hit over 10 reps, that's endurance. So like Steven Paella doing like 50, that's cool. I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. I think it's incredibly overrated. Like that number does not mean that much to me. Um, his three cone drill was the top performer, 7.31. There you go. Which is big for a tackle. That's huge. That's really important. Yeah. Um. So I mean, he's he's obviously played fantastic. He's extremely athletic, um, which is pretty much the norm for Oregon linemen. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy. Like the uh, at the strength and conditioning warmups, it looks like a gymnastics thing. Having gone through it many times, there's like parts where you're like doing somersaults over people and like messing with like the gym bars and everything where you like pull yourself vertically. It's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So bullets over bowling balls. Uh, so NFL comparison: Tyler Columbus. Let's see. Is he? Does it say where he's projected to go on here? Okay, so it doesn't say on that page. We obviously do a lot of prep for this podcast beforehand. <laughs> we we do a lot of research. Although, we do our homework. There's actually a lot of times that we're like, oh, what about this? And then I end up just Googling it real fast. Yeah. It's, um, it's what it's there for. Exactly. Um, where does this projection happen? He's ranked as the 27th best pis- player in at his position. So, undrafted. Yeah, when so, there's 27 other linemen in front of him. 27 other offensive tackles. Oh, <laughs> offensive tackle is like a really valuable position. He's going to find a spot somewhere. He was first team all Pac-12. Super athletic. You know how many athletic offensive tackles there are? Not many. Not many. Not many. Not many. Um, Byron Marshall. Wide receiver. He's ranked as like the 45th based on a lot of people 
Uh, let me find his NFL draft. Because I pulled up pages and I didn't like any of these pages. He, he only did the bench press 17 times. <laughs> he just he just benched some weights and bounced. Yeah. See, I don't see... He's 5'9", which isn't that important, though, when you're a wide receiver. He's 200 pounds. He can probably play... He can play a lot of different roles. He can play receiver. You can give him some touches on swing passes. He can block. He's probably a great special teams player. Um, he is like... He's like a Julian Edelman, where he can play like a lot of different roles. Or like mm-hmm. a Danny Woodhead type. Right. Where it's like, he's not great at anything, but he's good at a lot of different things. Yeah, he could... I mean, he could fit in in a team somewhere that needs kind of one of those, one of those types of players that just like, yeah, hey, we'll place you here, we'll place you there, see what you can do. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, this is this draft is super deep on mm-hmm. receivers, so he's going to be an undrafted free agent. But I think he'll find a sticking point somewhere. So, I mean, he's really good. Yeah. So. I mean, you know who else was an undrafted free agent? Arian Foster. Oh, yeah. He's also a vegan. So, just saying, you know, just because you go undrafted doesn't mean it's the end of the world. Right. Exactly. I think Josh Norman was undrafted, too. There's some good guys that come out of... uh, you know, can uh, we'll we'll see what happens with them. Yes, it'll be it'll be exciting. Um, he's gonna find a spot somewhere. Braylon Addison, five nine, hundred ninety seven pounds, ran a four six six forty. Wow, that is not good. <laughs> I thought I thought I misread that. I thought it was gonna be four five six four six six. That is uh. He plays way faster than that. Oh yeah. How is that even? How is that even correct? You're at 13 on the bench press, which is virtually a non-issue as wide receiver. 34.5 inch for 116 inch uh, broad jump. His three cone was 6.95, which is what is going on? What was his? What is he doing? What happened to him? Yeah, seriously, that's like not that much faster than Tyler Johnstone and DeForest Buckner. Um, apparently he is more of an athlete, athlete in space than a route runner which I mean I agree with when you're comparing it to NFL players mm-hmm. uh, let's see what else is on here he's going to be I think he's like a better version of Byron Marshall in the NFL like a quicker version. Um, like, just getting touches, but I don't think he can pass protect. He's probably going to be a roster spot, too, I think. His NFL comparison is Josh Huff, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that I can see that. Yeah, I mean, I think... 
I think Darren Carrington is going to be the first receiver in a long time where you're like, he is an NFL receiver. Because mm-hmm. Darren Carrington makes plays. He's an absolute baller. You don't have and he's always open. He's always open. I don't understand. I just don't get it. It's just so weird. I just don't understand. Um, but then, yeah, I think Devin Allen will be able to get a spot because he's pretty tall. He's relatively tall. He breaks six feet. But, like, Tony Brooks James, like, just looking down the line, like, Tosh Griffin, he's got to be an amazing receiver and kick returner because, like, mm-hmm. DeAnthony Thomas is not getting a ton of looks in the NFL. Although, they're totally different players, to be honest, personality-wise. Um, like, Tony Brooks James is going to have a problem in the NFL. Um... Kirk Merritt, I think, is going to be good. Like, some of these receivers coming in now mm-hmm. are pretty big, but when you got guys like Braylon Addison, they can excel in college. But when it comes to uh, matching up the NFL and that style of play and everything, it gets a lot tougher. And that's because NFL, everything, every player is so similar to each other. Like, the gap between your good player and your average player is not that far apart. Right. So it's all situational stuff. You won't find huge deficiencies at like a couple of positions like you see in college. Yeah, it's so, like, you know, in the NFL, it's like everyone is the best of the best. And so even your worst wide receiver on the team, it's not that much of a gap. Right, exactly. And so it's stuff too where it's like, Like where if – here's an example with the Cardinals that I saw a lot. So the Cardinals have five, like, amazing defensive backs. Mm -hmm. Teams would scheme to run, like, a lot of jumbo sets against them to keep as many of the defensive backs off the field. And that's, like, the kind of level of, like, specificity it gets down to. Or, like, we see, like, one player lines up like this so we can motion a receiver over to crack in, like, these specific situations. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's just so specific. There's so much game plan that goes into it. Like sometimes fake field goals, like uh, the Seahawks did this. They faked a field goal because they saw one player was lined up in protection. And they noticed that on kick uh, field goal uh, block attempts, he would always get out of alignment. And so whenever they saw him in, they knew they were going to fake it and throw a pass. And he was like the third guy in from the line. Like it's something that nobody would look for. Unless you're an NFL coach with tons of time yeah. on your hands. Um, yeah, so that's Braylon Addison. That's all of them. We went through all of them. Got them all? Got them. Um, okay, so we got of these guys at the top. Todd McShay. I like him more than Mel Kiper. Mm-hmm. Um, Tennessee Titans. Number one overall draft pick. They really should trade down. They can't do that in mock drafts. The, the, like Mel Kiper and Todd McShay can't be like, oh, we're going to... Uh, like they have to pick someone. They have to pick that spot, assuming that team stays there. Yeah. So the Tennessee Titans, obviously going to draft an offensive tackle. That is their biggest need. Obviously, if you watched the games last year, it was bad. Mm-hmm. Like Their offensive line was bad. Like, Cleveland was getting pressure r- rushing three guys against five. 
Like, there's no conceivable way that that should ever happen as an NFL team. Um, there's three offensive tackles at the top. There's Laramie Tunsil, who's an offensive tackle out of Mississippi. He's, like, the best. He's, like, top tier, kind of by himself. Shortly below that, you have Ronnie Stanley, who's out of Notre Dame. And then you have another guy. What's his name? Jake Conklin, who's out of Michigan State. So all three of those, according to Todd McShay, and there's Taylor Decker out of Ohio State, who's projected to go 16th. Mm -hmm. So there's four guys in that top, like, 16, that I think the – because, honestly, the Titans just need a lot of help (laughs) on offense. Um, So I think it might make the most sense for them to trade out of that spot. See if you can find somebody dumb like the like Washington who will trade away like their entire draft to get somebody that they totally don't need. Um, because if if this team gets is able to just trade down for a first round, get a couple second rounders and like a couple third rounders, that's huge. You can get like decent receivers, you can get a guard and a tackle. Like, a really good tackle, a bunch of good guards. Um, like, you can just add so much depth everywhere because Tennessee's got a lot of a lot of holes. But their coach is, like, you know, sometimes you can't tell if he's just saying this to say this, but he's, like, people are like, what's your biggest need this offseason? And he's like, get Mario to help. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing is we need, to keep, we need to keep him safe. He used that word in an interview. We need to keep him safe. We <laughs> <laughs> need to save space. Yeah, it's like... Uh, <laughs> it's like I wonder if he gets workman's comp if like, <laughs> like um, so he's projected the Tennessee Titans in this example are projected to get Laramie Tunsil who's kind of like by himself um, what might be beneficial see I don't even know if the Cleveland Browns are that dumb anymore because the Cleveland Browns basically turned over their entire front office like their director of like uh, I forget what the exact name is. It's like development or personnel is a former Mets guy. Interesting. He was, uh, he was in baseball for this. So, yeah. Okay. So the Bryans hire Mets Paul DePodesta, chief strategy officer. So. He is uh, vice president of football operations. Well, he's above that person. So basically, the Browns just did like a full sweep of everything. I actually think that bringing in a baseball guy is a really good move. Yeah. Because baseball is a sport that's like so ingrained in numbers and everything. Like that's one sport where you're like statistics. You guys got this down. Like almost don't need to watch the games anymore. Oh, exactly. It's all yeah. just all numbers. All stats. Football is the exact opposite of that. Like, Bill, Bill Connolly at Football Study Hall and the guys at Football Outsiders, all tremendous. But there is so much that numbers can't explain. And even worse than that is some teams are even like, no, numbers don't mean anything. Well, actually, it's statistically shown that there's a correlation between that that it's a good predictor um so these football teams like don't even bother with it 
And the Cleveland Browns are like the kings of like, what are you doing right now? So mm-hmm. I think bringing in an outsider who is so stooped in numbers and more importantly, doesn't have all these like dogmas surrounding football and everything. You know what I mean? Like there's just so many like, for example, somebody asked, a team asked a player at the combine if he liked men. Yeah, it's just one of the uh, many, I guess it's like combine tradition that just gets asked the most ridiculous questions. Like, name another workplace environment where you can ask someone their sexual orientation. Yeah. And they like, the owner was like, the owner was like, oh yeah, we, we addressed it and we say we don't stand for it. And it's like, uh, okay, that that's it? It's like, just, Jesus. Hearing some of these questions and like the thought process behind some of these teams, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Like, it's like, what are you guys doing? So, although my strength has really been knowing which players aren't going to pan out. That's always been my, my go-to <laughs> thing. It's like, this guy will not succeed. I'm always right on that. Like, this yeah. guy will not do anything. The, the teams need to hire you on as a consultant. Yeah, and I'll just tell you who not to draft. Like, I won't tell you who's going to be, like, the Pro Bowler, but I will, I will tell you <laughs> who, who the guy to not to waste your first-round draft pick on. You will not draft a bad player. I'm not going to tell you who the great players are, but I'm going to tell you who you're going to waste a draft pick on. Some would even say that would be more valuable. Right, exactly. Um, like uh, Carson Wentz. Not a good one. Nope. Um, all this first round is like really good. Okay, let's just go through this. Okay, so uh, Laramie Tunsil, Tennessee. Carson Wentz, who's the quarterback from North Dakota State, is going to go to the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> Sorry, Carson. Um, it's really been Carson and Goff at the Combine who are going like against each other. So yeah, Carson at Wentz first I heard it was Goff, like that was going to be the lock for the number two pick, but now it's, I keep hearing Wentz. Yeah. I'd rather have Goff, honestly. Um, yeah, so get this, they're like, this is legit from Todd McShay. Wentz has better athleticism, which is, okay, fair, I don't think it's that important to like, just jump somebody. And bigger hands to grip the ball in bad weather. He played indoors his entire career. Yeah. How, Goff has been outside for, for his whole career. He played in terrible weather. So, I mean, I think... I think Goff is a much better deal. I would go for um, Goff. Buckner to the Chargers, Bosa to the Cowboys, Jalen Ramsey uh, to the Jaguars. I like Hargreaves the third more. Mm-hmm. Um, Baltimore Ravens get Ronnie Stanley. Goff to the 49ers. Oh, Chip. Chip gets a Goff. Uh, Miles Jack goes to the Dolphins. That's going to be a good fit. Vernon Hargraves to the Bucks. Ezekiel Elliott to the Giants. That is way too high. That is way too high. There is zero reason to draft a running back in the first round anymore. Absolutely zero. Uh, Shaq Lawson to the Bears. Ashawn Robertson to the Saints. Uh, Jake Conklin going to the Eagles. I have... Really no preference for the Eagles at all anymore. Uh, Eli Apple, CB from Ohio State, going to the Raiders. Laquan Treadwell to the Rams. Taylor Decker, offensive tackle from Ohio State to the Lions. Ohio State offensive linebacker, outside linebacker. Darren Lee going to the Falcons. 
Leonard Floyd, offensive linebacker, offensive linebacker, outside linebacker to the Colts. Um, what other Pac-12 guys are on here in this first round? So many Buckeyes. Reggie Ragland, inside linebacker, going to the Packers. Go Pack Go. Eddie Lacy's on the P90X5. It looks great. Um, yeah. That's... Oh, yeah, and the Patriots don't get a first-round draft pick. So that's the 31. There it is. I am... I get so fired up for the draft. It's so pointless, though. It's it's so it's like so exciting, and then it's just like, okay, there was our one taste of football until like August. Yeah, exactly. So the NFL is so good though at using like the whole calendar. Like the Super Bowl was like a month ago, mm-hmm. a little over a month ago, and we just had like the combine. And like yeah. another month, it's going to be the draft, and then another month it's OTAs, and then another month they show up to training camp, and then in another month is the season. It's so perfectly spaced out. They're so smart about planning the season but not doing anything else. <laughs> um, so we talked about basketball. We talked about football. I'm excited for the spring game. It I'm should really be a excited, good one. excited to see Dakota. I'm pumped. Yeah, we get to see our one-year quarterback at the spring, year, yep. spring game this year. Yep, and then hopefully his backup, Travis Johnson. Travis, please win the backup QB spot. <laughs> We're praying right now. So, all right, that covers it. That, that should do it. Yeah. So next week we'll be talking about the Pac-12 uh, conference championships in basketball. The conference of champions. Have you ever been to a volcano? <laughs> Who's the guy that uh, Bill Walton always calls Snoop Dogg? Uh, Dwayne Benjamin. Dwayne Benjamin. Yeah. God. He is so good. He talks about so many different things. People are like, I hate Bill Walton's shtick. It's like, no, it is hilarious. I sometimes just have him on in the background. It's not even really a shtick. It's just him actually just talking. Like, they just put a mic in front of him. He's just a national treasure. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that'll do it for us at uh, Sling and Quack. You know, we only went like a little over an hour today. Not bad. Of high quality quack. It's not not watered down. There's no baking soda in it. Just straight quack. Just pure quack. Pure quack. All right, that'll do it for us. We'll see you guys next week. And I swear we will see you guys next week. <laughs> Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.